The following is a sponsored program on 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this program are solely those of the individuals or participants involved and do not necessarily represent those of Braden Madison Broadcasting or its employees. 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday morning at 10 AM. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight, Jeff Shannon. Well, good morning. Welcome to Sumner County Spotlight. Uh, we have a, a brand new edition of the show here as we want to uh, always keep you informed about interesting things going on here in our community. You know, with the Hendersonville Chamber of Commerce, they're so involved and they have so many different things they're doing to improve businesses and uh, people here in Sumner County. You know, they form these uh, affinity groups, which they're called, and there's several of them, but this one really caught my interest and I think it's probably well needed. So I wanted to bring in an expert here, <laughs> uh, uh, Hillary Marabetti, but you, you have an official name that you have to let everybody know what that is. I do have an official name, and I'm very proud of my official name because it represents different cultures. My name is Hillary Barbara Sloon Greco Marabetti. I hear Scottish. Yes. I hear Italian. You got it. How does that happen? <laughs> World War II. Okay. My dad was in the Army Air Corps at the okay. time, before okay. the Air Force was named, right. and he was stationed in Scotland, and he was on a double-decker bus in air, and he saw this woman, and he immediately fell in love. That's all I have to say. They <laughs> fell in love. They got married. Here Hilary. came their daughter <laughs> from this little Scottish mother and Italian father. Wow. Yes. Because I, I thought you were from New York. No, New Jersey. New Jersey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, after <laughs> um, after the war, um, my mother and I came to the States to be with my father okay. in New Jersey, where my Italian family resided. And that was a difficult time for me because when I was little, I had the Scottish accent, and they had the Italian, I call it Itang, Italianish, okay. where it was kind of English, but it wasn't. Yeah. And so I didn't understand them at all. There was this battle between the two cultures about what did they just say? And of course, when they spoke Italian, I didn't understand any of it, but my cousins did. And when it was something that we were going to get in trouble for, they would say, run. And so <laughs> I would run like I didn't know what was going on, but it was fun. It was the greatest time of my life. So you came to New Jersey. Yes. What brought you to Hendersonville? The University of Tennessee Graduate School brought my husband and I here. Okay. All right. Um, I, I worked on my master's degree in education. My husband got his law degree at the law school. Wow. So that got us to Tennessee. And when we started looking for jobs, I looked in New Jersey and there wasn't anything that interested me. And a friend of mine said, let's go to this conference in Nashville. You're going to meet a whole lot of educators at this conference. And I said, I'm game. So here we went to Nashville and had a wonderful opportunity to network. And I met Dr. Hal Raymer who was the president of Volunteer State Community College. And we just started talking. And at the end of the conversation, he said, I want you to come to a tour of my campus. Can you do that? And I said, I would love to. It was a lot smaller then, right? It was 500 students, 500 students when I started. <laughs> um, it, was, it was a beautiful day. My husband and daughter and I, my little toddler daughter and I, Heather, went to the campus. They gave me a beautiful tour and it turned into an interview. I was not expecting an interview, but that's what it turned into. And he offered me a position and I said, happily, I will accept. Wow. Yes. Look at that. So I was at Ball State for 49 years. 
Is that right? Yes. Wow. So you you've seen all the changing going on. An amazing growth at that institution. Lots of changes, all for the good. Students are very happy at Ball State. Mm-hmm. Faculty are very happy at Ball State. Right. Now, it, what was your teaching status? I mean, what what did you teach? I I left as an associate professor. Okay. Um, I taught both communication and Spanish at about. Wow. The 14th, I know. Yeah. yeah, it's a little odd combination. About my 14th year there, 12th to 14th year there, the dean of instruction said to me, would you be interested in more administrative work instead of classroom? And I said, maybe I would miss the classroom. So we made a deal to where I could actually do some administration, but still teach a class or two here and there. And so at one point, finally, in the mid to late 80s, I went full administration, but had, still had my fingers in the pie on the non-credit side of the house and did some training, right. that so kind of thing. They had the, you were in communications. That involved, did they have a radio station back then? When did that come about? I'm trying to remember when WVCP actually started. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was early. I know mm-hmm. it was early. And I remember many of us actually being on the radio station, but I don't recall it being there in 1973 when I got there. It was such a small kit. Well, I think we had two buildings. <laughs> it was, it, was, oh, wow. it was, might have been three. It was, it was little. It was tiny. Yeah. You know, being an educator, and, and as you know, you've, you've done it for so long. I mean, it's something that's so well needed. And, you know, our teachers need to be honored because that's a hard job. It is a hard job. You've been in the trenches. You know what it is. Imagine trying to teach elementary kids. I taught junior high school in Anderson County. Okay. And that was an interesting experience. And of course, there I taught Spanish. And I can recall, I loved them. They were so funny. I I would say, okay, repeat after me. Como estas? And they would get together and say, si, como estas, (laughs) y'all? And I I mean, it was like, no. (laughs) But they entertained me daily. I love them dearly. Um, I also taught at Knox County for a little while. Um, Taught adult basic education. Working with low-income families to help bring up their status in life to get better jobs. That that was a very rewarding educational experience. Absolutely. So that kind of sums up the total of 53 years of service between, (laughs) among rather, those three institutions. Wow. Well, and it it is something that it, it stays with you. Yes, it does. I mean, it, once you're a teacher, always a teacher. It's in your. It's kind of in your blood, like in law enforcement. I think it's a calling. Yeah, it, it's there, and you just you have a thing for it. Yes. And and it's so well needed. You know, the experience that you have to pass along to these new teachers has to be tremendous. It is. It, it's different today. Mm-hmm. Uh, very different. But some of the methodologies really are not very different. The youth today are much more tech savvy. Of course, back in 1973, what technology did we have? <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm, I'm in awe of, of teachers being up on all the technology and trying to stay ahead of their students because sure. my granddaughter knows more about technology than I ever thought of. Well, and that kind of leads us into, you know, something that you're, you're kind of passionate about as, as well, because through the Hendersonville Chamber, we have the Golden Apple Absolutely, that yes. are coming about. Yes. And over this, this past year, because you are the president, the foundation chair Yes, I am. Yes. So you're right there. You see what these teachers are submitting for grants. Yes. And I think it's just fascinating. Some of the things that they come up with to really help these kids teach them and how they learn because they become sponges. Some of those ideas are so creative and so innovative. And of course, the bottom line is to enhance the classroom experience and improve student learning. And some of those teachers have amazing 
ways of looking at a subject Mm -hmm. and making it much more relevant to a student than we did a hundred years ago. And I'm in awe of their skills. I'm in awe of their skills. Unfortunately, we can't fund everything, but we certainly look at all of their ideas, all of their dollar amounts, and we fund as many as we can. We went through a session yesterday. The The board met for two and a half, almost three hours going over the grant applications. It is a very difficult thing because you want to give everybody sure. a grant yeah. and you can't. So yeah. you have to look at how well it was written, uh, what would the outcome be, and the sustainability of it. So Well, uh, and I think it's so, so important that these kids have a different avenue because, and, and we had that talked before, we had Scott Langford in, we've talked to many teachers, and I think it's a way that you can use something to show them how you're going to use what you're learning in a real life situation. Yes, make it relevant. Make it relevant to yes. what you're going to be doing, because, you know, we always said, why am I learning trigonometry? I'll never <laughs> use that ever again. You know, but, oh, you just got to take it. But that's not the case. I mean, at some point you, you might, but if you can show me in a real world situation how I can use this and how it's going to benefit then it makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And of course, we videoed all of last year's grant recipient in their classrooms. That was one of my most favorite experiences ever coming here to um, Hendersonville, watching those students joy in learning. Yeah. That's what it's all about. If you if you can make it a positive, exciting experience, they'll learn. Sure. They will learn. For instance, the goat farm. Yes. I mean, that was fascinating. Yes. They had a whole place built just for the goats. Yeah, for Sheldon and what was his name? Van Gogh. Uh, uh, Vincent Van Gogh. Oh, that's right. Yes. (laughs) They had some neat (laughs) names. But yeah, I mean, that that was a great way for the the kids to learn that. You know, they had chickens there and they, they, they kind of learn this environment. Gosh, we had robots, underwater robots that they designed these things. And then we had kindergarten children coding a a miniature robot to knock down paper cups. Mm -hmm. Kindergarten children coding. (laughs) It was fascinating. Well, I'll tell you folks, if you want to IT support, build your website, social media, just get one of these kids. They've already got it built in their head. They've got it way better than we ever had it. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. You've been involved with the chamber for quite some time. I've been a member of the chamber initially through the college for at least three decades. Wow. So I've seen a lot. Yes, you have. Yes. Now, how long have you been uh, with the on the foundation board? I've probably been on the foundation board five or six years okay. as a member mm-hmm. and, and a very, very happy to be a member because my passion is education and it's philanthropy is education. So mm-hmm. I've always been grateful that I've been allowed to continue to serve. It, to me, it's a very important endeavor. Well, I mean, you've definitely had a history here in Sumner County and you've seen a lot of changes and you're just a, a wealth of knowledge and information. I know how dedicated you know, that you are, especially with the Golden Apple and well, the foundation, because the foundation you. is doing great things. It is. And it we is. have all of these huge events, and I understand the, the funds that are derived from these events go strictly to the foundation Correct. to help support teachers. Yes. Can't get any better than that. No, you can't yeah. get any better than that. It, you just got to keep doing it. And this next year, probably going to be busier than last, so that, that could be good. Well, the uh, the culmination of the grants that we just uh, reviewed will be the Golden Apple Teacher Reception in October. Okay. And I believe it was 1,300 teachers have been invited to come. It, it's an open, it's like an open house kind right. of thing, a reception, not, not where you have to be there the whole time. And 
I believe last year we had close to 250 attend. They just enjoy the camaraderie. They don't get to see each other during mm-hmm. the day. So when they come, they actually get to sit down, have a snack, see who's gotten the awards. Right. J- just just a fun night for right. teachers. And I get it's got to be hard from on the board or whoever the committee is that's selecting these grants because you just feel so bad. You, you Like you said, you want to give them all grants, but that's just not possible. It's not. But the ones that, that are selected. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, well, you know, just keep submitting. And some of the teachers have submitted multiple times. Yes, they have. And you got to get your grants years. in on time. <laughs> you got to follow the rules. You it, do. It, you, you, if you don't, then you're disqualified. But I know the teachers, the, the ones that I've spoken with, really, really enjoy doing this. And it's going to help their classroom and help bring things to the kids that they normally wouldn't have. Right. Uh, it, it's a supplement to what the school budget can allow. So it, it enhances. That's yeah. what it does. Because I know the submissions are over that, and you've yes. already made the selections and then coming up. But it, they just have to keep checking the front office. They'll get notified you know, when these things come about. But start planning it now. Getting your ideas together. And because I think it's it's really how they write it, because that's what you're seeing. You're seeing a written form, so it's got to be written well, so you can understand. It, right. what the It has to be written so that we can visualize what's going to happen. Right. And then also understand what the outcome is supposed to be. Well, we're going to continue tapping into your wealth of knowledge and experience, because uh, we're going to be talking about something else you're involved with. I, I don't know where you have all the free time for this. I, I really don't. It's <laughs> called retirement. Well, yeah, but still, you know, it doesn't mean retirement. That's say you're busier than ever. No, I, but I could never fully retire. I don't think that's in my genes. Right, right. Well, in the next uh, segment here, we're going to be talking about that. And we're going to be talking about the Sumner Retired Professionals Affinity Group with the Hendersonville Chamber. So stick around, folks. This is Jeff Shannon. We'll be right back with more of Sumner County Spotlight. Thanks for listening to Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program heard each and every Sunday right here on WHIN. Or you can listen on our podcast page at whinradio.com. If you'd like to become a sponsor of this program, reach out to me, Jeff Shannon, at jeff at whinradio.com. Okay, here we go with another segment of Summer County Spotlight. You know, as we do this each and every week, we try to come up with topics that uh, are of some interest. And we do have an elderly population here in Sumner County, a lot of experience, a lot of great business people, a lot of great minds. And Hillary, you are with the Hendersonville Chamber. You started this Sumner Retired Professionals Group. Can you yes. tell us, uh, give us some history, how that got started? A year ago, March, is when I retired. I didn't have a plan. And so I was looking for ways to occupy myself and also to give back. Because I felt like I I had learned a great deal over the time that I was an educator, as well as life experience. Shortly after I retired, the affinity group called the Sumner Young Professionals was having a luncheon. And they invited five women from Women Impacting the Community to serve on a panel. And they asked us questions about life in general and how did you decide what career was best for you? And once you made that decision, how did you go about making sure that you got to where you wanted to be? And and questions that were relevant to somebody in their 20s, 30s. And so we finished the panel and I looked across the room and I thought, this body is our future. This is an energetic, enthusiastic, talented, skilled group of young people. And when it was over, I walked over to one of the tables and I said, I am just so grateful that you asked me to be here because I feel like I know you and I don't know why, but you remind me of the student body that I used to teach. You just took it all in and you embraced everything we said. And I wish I was 
under 40 because that's your group. You're the <laughs> under 40. Some are young professionals. And they looked at me and said, well, we'll adopt you. And I said, well, <laughs> thank you for that. I said, but I would love to have a group. And I said, I know. I'm going to start my own group. And they looked at me and said, what are you talking about? And I said, I'm going to start the retired professionals group. I don't know if the chamber's going to let me, but I'm going to try. (laughs) And so I drafted a purpose statement, submitted it to the president and CEO, Kathleen Hawkins, and asked her to think about it. And a few weeks later, we got together and she said, I think it's a wonderful idea. Yeah, you got to tap into that knowledge. So now how did you start recruiting people into the group? The first thing I did was bring together a small body. I called them my advisory group of five individuals that I knew who were retired in different industries, manufacturing, finance, nonprofit, education, etc. So we came together and I said, here's what I'm trying to do and I need your insight I need your ideas. I feel like we have reached a point now where we have the freedom of time and we can give back. We can pay it forward, if you will. There are so many things that we can do to help the community, to help the other affinity groups, and to help the chamber. So we went through the purpose statement and we we talked about being volunteers, helping fundraise, being mentors, doing training, and a whole litany of other things that we just thought would be beneficial. And then we talked about How do we bring a a group to us, other retirees and other members of the community? Our role, we thought, was to come together with a lunch and learn. And we decided that we didn't know if we'd have enough interest initially. So we started with a quarterly lunch and learn rather than monthly, which is what the other affinity groups do. Mm -hmm. And so the first one we thought would be relevant would be elder care. And so through the chamber, we announced it. And the reality is the retired professionals, the young professionals, the women in business and the men in business create the topic and plan the event. But every event is open to everybody. If that topic for lunch is relevant to you, we encourage you to come to attend. We were fortunate enough to have a sponsor for our events. Album Indian Lake was generous enough (laughs) to sponsor the lunch. So... Anyone who wanted to come and learn from whatever that presentation was came at no charge. The last one we did, Album sponsored again. And the interesting thing that Album said to me was, is there a topic you could potentially put together that would make sense and kind of go with our name, Album? So I thought about that for a little bit. And I said, photo album, record, record album, music. And so I coaxed a friend of mine who's a Nashville musician to come and talk about music in Nashville and then play guitar and sing some of his original songs and some of our favorites. And it was a blast. We had 45 people in attendance and it was wonderful. But the one thing that I you mentioned earlier was mentorship. Yes. That these people have so much information and experience that they can actually become a mentor for some of the the, the younger folks uh, coming in just to ask questions i mean it's not they're not going to spend hours and days you know on this they're just going to help them uh, to get through maybe a little question they might have and that kind of thing but i think mentorship is great what we're trying to do is come up with a list of careers professions and then who among the retirees would be the the proper fit for anyone to contact and say, you know, I've got this issue that I'm not sure what to do. And they would go to someone they don't know very well versus asking someone with whom they work 
or certainly not necessarily their supervisor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's more confidential. It's much more objective. So we're trying to create a list of the topics and then the person as well. We're also looking at, in terms of mentorship in its broadest sense, serving as a focus group, as an example, an investment group has asked me to consider bringing some of our retirees to them to ask us questions about what retirees are looking for. What do retirees want? How can they serve us better? That's mentorship in in a different way. Sure. So lots of ideas. Well, and, and it's and it's such in its infancy right now. And, yes, and we just you, started. Yeah. So as you progress along with this, I mean, I see some great things coming out of it. If, if I guess if somebody wanted to be a part of this tired professionals group, do they have to be a chamber member to attend the lunch and learns? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. But to they, be on our little, adv- and I say little because it's a small number, yeah. advisory group, yes. Okay. And, and individual membership is nothing. <laughs> individual me- membership for the Hendersonville Chamber is $80 a year. I don't yeah. think that would cause anybody any yeah. any angst. No, but I, I think it would give them, you know, again, what am I going to do with myself? I'm retired. And so I would I, love to talk to anybody sure. who is interested in working with us. Yeah. How would they reach you? Well, they can reach me through the chamber, obviously. Okay. So Just call the chamber and yes. the chamber will alert me. I've gotten several emails yeah. from the chamber about so-and-so is interested in working with the retired professionals. And so, yes. Yeah. So write this number down, 615-824-2818. That's the number at the chamber, and just say, uh, "Hey, I want to talk to Hillary," and they'll put you in touch with her. And that, I mean, that's a lot going on. We got the tired professionals. You've got the the foundation going on, and we got the the Golden Apple Gala yes. coming up. Do they call it gala or gala? No, it's no longer that. It is, we we call it a teacher reception. Oh, teacher reception. Yes. See, I've been educated. Yes, <laughs> the te- the teacher reception. And that's going to be when October tenth at Bluegrass. Bluegrass. Okay. Yes. So, and I remember, you know, the last couple of years, I mean, it's well attended. We have that room really packed Over out. Over 200. Yeah. Yes. You know, here's the great thing. It just popped in my head. As you know, when you go around to these classrooms. Yes. And you see the checks, because they give them these big checks. I yes. mean, they're the marker board kind of thing. It became such a thing. The teachers kept these checks, and the kids got so excited about seeing these checks, they would hang them in their classroom. So, it's like... It's like a trophy that they're it is, it is absolutely like a trophy. It also reminds them to apply again. It's a reminder. You did so well. Let's do it again. And I think all the principals really encourage the teachers to do so. I know there's a, a, a lot of the, the principals that are just, okay, you got to do this. You got to encourage them because they can get like a classroom grant or a school-wide grant. There are three levels of grants. A single teacher, which is usually one discipline or one class. Multiple teacher, which could be several biology teachers coming together to do something uh, to enhance the classroom experience. And then school-wide, where it touches in some way, somehow, every student at the school. Mm -hmm. All the requirements are issued, they, so they, they have it right there in front of them. They yes. know what they can apply for. Yes. All the rules are there. You have, you have the website. You have Facebook. On the Hendersonville and- Chamber website under Foundation, there is a link about the Golden Apple, which is all of what it's for, what it does, and generally what the rules are, and then the application itself. Yeah. Of course, we always want to encourage the teachers to do so because this next year, uh, we see bigger and better things coming, and it's, it's, I think it's incredible the ideas they come up with. I mean, that's like incredible. Like the one school where they had like a television station. Yes. They were able to get funding for that. They have green screen. They have people to do interviews. And, and that's that was pretty fascinating. That, that was a pretty high-powered grant. It was. It yeah. really was. It really was. <laughs> 
And again, I would not want to be on that committee to try to select this stuff. Wow. It's rewarding, but difficult. Mm -hmm. As I said, we want to fund everybody and it's not possible. Right. Just not possible. Of course, we're always willing to accept donations Mm -hmm. so that we can fund many more grants. Absolutely. And as you go to these events like Freedom Fest, Sumner Fest, Taste of Hendersonville, things of that nature, you can make donations there. I yes. know at the, the ticket booths and at the entrances, there's going to be a way that you can do it. You know, if somebody want to drop a couple mil, they'll be glad to take I'll ta- it. I'll be happy to take it. <laughs> <laughs> Just think to what you could teachers, do To help teachers, yes. Oh, absolutely. It, the thing is that teachers are so appreciative when they get these grants. I remember when I taught junior high, there was a very limited budget. And today, there's still a very limited budget. So if you wanted to do something unique in your classroom... You had to pay for it out of your own pocket. Personally, I don't think they get paid enough to do that. But because they love what they do, they continue to take it out of their own pocket. So the more we can help them, the more money we can raise, I'm all for it. Absolutely. If you go on socials, just do the Golden Apple Awards. The Chamber Foundation mm-hmm. would, would give you lots of information on there. And, of course, the website. We also have the uh, the new app the Chamber just released. It's out It's out on the website. Yep. So you can download that free app. And, and review it for next year. That's right. <laughs> And just keep that thing handy, that's for sure. You know, I just think that there's so much that we can do, you know, as a community to help these teachers. Because, look, they're down in the foxholes. They're down there digging this stuff, and they're making our kids better. And anything that we can do to help them educate themselves and become interested to be productive people as they get growing would be, you know, so much farther better than we had when we were in school. Because it was to, Because there's been so many advances, technology and ways of teaching and how teaching has changed over the years. But I think it's, it, it's incredible that it, you guys are doing this down in the trenches as well. You know, one of the interesting ones last year was a teacher who decided she wanted a special iPad of sorts. I don't recall the actual brand name of it. But that was given to each student in the classroom, and it was math, and they had problems on that device. And if they made a mistake, they could erase it without anybody seeing that they made a mistake. Mm. So it built their confidence, and they learned by trying, by doing. And the teacher said, this is what they do every day. They're on a device. They're on some mobile device. Mm -hmm. Why not bring that to the classroom and also help build their confidence so that nobody else knows they made a mistake? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. But we've been talking with Hillary Marabetti. She is the chairman of the Chamber Foundation. Yes. Is that the correct title? Chair, yes. Okay, so she is the the, the chair at the moment uh, for that. And She's just a dedicated individual educator and just a, an incredibly fun person to be around. Well, you know what I'm you. saying? You hey, know, forget about what it. What are you, you talking? Know, you know what you're talking <laughs> But we always have fun. So thanks, Hillary, for coming in. Absolutely. Uh, again, if you want to uh, talk to Hillary, get some information, call the chamber, uh, 615-824-2818, and just say, hey, I want to talk to Hillary, and I'll put you in charge. So. <laughs> Hillary, thanks for coming in. Thank you, Jeff. Everybody have a great day. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this segment of Sumner County Spotlight. Stick around. We have a lot more coming right here with Sumner County Spotlight with Jeff Shannon. Thanks for listening to Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program heard each and every Sunday right here on WHIN. Or you can listen on our podcast page at whinradio.com. If you'd like to become a sponsor of this program, reach out to me, Jeff Shannon, at jeff at whinradio.com. Welcome back to Sumter County Spotlight. I'm your host, Jeff Shannon. we got this Sunday morning uh, just blasting along here. We've got all kind of topics we try to, to cover here, and we find interesting people 
right here in Sumner County. And it's amazing how many people that are here that have interesting stories and backgrounds. You know, you, you, you hear people, you hear stories, you hear people saying stuff. And I heard about Justin Shepard. And you might have heard of this guy. You'll understand why here shortly. But I wanted to bring Justin in and just talk a little bit about what's going on in his life. So, Justin, thanks for coming in. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I, I guess we should just introduce everybody to you, give us some background, how you got here. All right. So my name is, is Justin, as you said, and I am a social media creator. I guess that's my claim to fame, so to speak. I accidentally got into social media creation on TikTok. My platform currently sits at about 1.2 million followers. Amazing. Uh, I know it's, <laughs> it's insane. Verified Insta account, um, verified Twitter account. And then also when I hit a million followers about six or so months ago, I launched a podcast called 50 Words for Murder. Um, which is on any any device you want to stream on. And we just kind of keep growing from there. Uh, the channel social media started off with narcissistic family and, and toxic family kind of content and then ended up morphing into true crime and current events, which is pretty much what I, I do almost exclusively now. Mm -hmm. Wow. What attracted you to crime? So it's kind of an interesting story. It was never my, well, like I said, it was never my intention to to blow up on social media. My wife, you know, based on a story that we had was like, hey, you should stitch, which for anybody that doesn't know what that is, means that you take another video and you kind of chop into it and then tell your story on it. But stitch this video about something that happened with us when we told uh, my mother that we were expecting our daughter. And when I woke up the next morning after posting that, I had 40,000 followers, like from nothing to 40,000. And it kept growing from there. So I kept making content, creating content. It kept growing. And then for those of y'all who might remember the the incredibly tragic, very sad Gabby Petito case, the girl who was murdered in Wyoming, her fiance left her there, drove back to Florida and became this massive nationwide manhunt. My wife sat me down. She's actually really at the root of all of this. It's her fault. But, is, she your uh, is she your manager? You know, she might as well be. <laughs> might as well. Honestly, <laughs> she, she really, she comes up with great content ideas and she'll tell me things that's like, oh, you need to cover this. And, uh, but she she just doesn't really want to, she's got a TikTok of her own. She doesn't just really doesn't have an interest in doing it. So, but she sat me down. I was like, Hey, you need to watch this body cam footage when that came out. And I was like, Oh my gosh, his, you know, Brian Laundry's mannerisms, everything really seemed to mimic what my own mother did. And this directly correlates with my content. And I started covering that case and became one of the top creators on, on TikTok covering the Gabby Petito case. And we even flew, if any of y'all might've were watching it at that time or following that case, I was the creator that flew aerial banners around the Laundry's house uh, twice. The second banner, though, just for people to know, was actually meant for the sister, but then she talked the day we flew, flew the first banner, so we agreed that we weren't going to do that to her. That's A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. Anyway, so then it kind of kept just growing from there, and I've, I've covered all sorts of different things you know, that have come up from very, very big cases to current events to you know, even some smaller things that, because I now have a larger platform, you know, things that really could use a little bit more of a boost, and including you know, even missing people, things like that here in Sumner County. Mm -hmm. So. Well, there's a lot of stories. I mean, there, the unfortunate, I mean, unfortunately, there are. You follow the news and you hear all this stuff. In fact, I, I think I've just pretty much gotten away from watching television. I don't think I've turned it on in months. Well, that's smart. Though. You know what I mean? Because it's just everything you turn up, people, kids are shooting each other. You know, these kind of things. So you've been in Sumner County for how long now? Seven years or so. Okay. We came here from Texas. Okay. Um, but before that, um, I grew up mostly in Georgia in the mm -hmm. Atlanta area. So what was your job? Well, I mean, it's still, I mean, I still, I mean, I still do have a day job. This is still a side gig. Unfortunately, uh -huh. social media, contrary to popular belief, you have to get a lot of sponsors and ads to actually make yeah. a livable wage, which I do not have. I, I came here as a medical sales rep 
And, you know, I was working for um, a diabetic company in, in San Antonio, moved out here as a field rep working with long-term care. And, you know, I knew I knew of Hendersonville before we came out here because many, many years ago, my mother's second husband was from Hendersonville. In fact, his dad's, you know, buried in the cemetery up here, mm-hmm. you know, not next to Johnny Cash, but not far off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I knew the area and we used to come up here during the summers and stuff. He was on the lake, he had the boat and I had good memories. So I was like, you know, I don't really know where to look in the Nashville area, but, you know, I know that Hendersonville's nice. And so, you know, we know where we ended up, ended up here. I'm I mean, in Gallatin now, though. But, yes. Yeah. And you established here. Mm-hmm. I mean, your kid go to school. She, she, she's four. So, yeah, she I mean, she's a preschool. But, yeah, okay, she does right. go um, to one of our the great sponsors of the Taste of Hendersonville. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's I'm right. Gonna, I'm going to plug that real quick. Uh, yeah. Goddard. Yeah. Well, I mean, Goddard's, they, they do such great things. Phenomenal program. Great uh, learning program over there. And, of course, they're a big chamber supporter. And they're going to be at the Taste of Hendersonville. And, actually, I think you're going to be one of the taste judges. Yes. Well. Which I am honored and humbled to do so. I was I was kind of surprised to get the to get the call. And I was like, yeah, I'm happy to do okay. it. Okay. So, You've got to get the taste buds fired up. Oh, I'm good. I'll, I eat pretty much anything, so I'm good. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's one of the things that draws so many people here. When you, you go around and, and you see the lines at some of these booths at, at the tents, you're going to see, it's like, wow, you got to wait in that line just to get a taste. But they're good. They're great. We've actually discovered some of our favorite restaurants from Taste of Hendersonville. Yeah, so. and there's plenty more out there, and we keep getting more restaurants coming here to, to Hendersonville, so we're excited about that. You know, being a judge like that, I guess you, you get the firsthand knowledge of everything that's going on. And you got some pretty impressive judges that are going to be there with you. So I saw that. I was re- I don't know all of them, but I did see some on the uh, Facebook page yeah. that they were talking about. And yeah, yeah. very impressed. I feel uh, you know humbled to be in their company. So. so the Taste of Hendersonville is coming up. It's going to be next Thursday, the 28th, down here at the streets of Indian Lake. So you got to make plans to do it. People that are used to it, they know how big it is. Oh, it's so huge. Thousands of people here. To, to sample all these great restaurants. And, and with the restaurants that are coming in, all the new ones, even since last year, it's going to be pretty exciting to see. So we're glad you're a judge. Well, thank you. I'm glad to do it. I mean, I'm excited for it. It's fun. And I guess maybe one of the real big benefits of being a judge is I get to get here early. Mm-hmm. So I might actually have a parking spot. You, you might, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or you can have a, just hit the DeLorean out there and we can just uh, have you fly in right this little path right That's here. That's right. You know, that the thing about that car is a lot of people just let me park it wherever. Because That's right. <laughs> and, and speaking of that, you have a, a DeLorean. I do. So what's the story with that? How did you get that? So that's actually my second one. And, and you can't see, but he's pointing because it's outside. But it's my second one. And I had another one that I bought in Texas, spent seven years restoring. And a, a very good friend of mine apparently was on Marketplace. And next thing I know, he sends me a DeLorean for sale in Hendersonville. And I'm just like, I have to go buy this car now, don't I? <laughs> and so I drove down. It was it was literally eight miles from my front door. It was sitting in a storage unit down over by like Cafe Rocca, that kind of area. Really? Yeah. And, you know, 24,000 original miles on it, but it had been sitting for a while. I, I have a theory on what might have happened to it. It still actually even has a Sumner Wheel Tax 1987 sticker on it that I left on it. I think that was the last time it was registered. Um, but it was actually owned by a very well-known sound engineer, a gentleman by the name of Charlie Talent, who, from my understanding and, and research on him, in the 60s and 70s, he was the sound engineer that you wanted on your on your record. That, that was it. So... Mm-hmm. Which explains how he could afford a DeLorean in 1981. One of the one of the early that's an early car too. So one of the earliest ones that came out. Wow. Did so. they do much changing to it later? Yes and no. It's it's one of those things that's very nuanced. So like for example, that one has darker wheels and it's got what's called a gas flap hood. My earlier car, the later car that I had, the one that I had before this one, you had to pop the whole hood up to fill it up. This one has got a little flap. So it's like little little nuanced things. It's also quirkier because it's early as it got, as they got later on into production, they worked out a lot of the bugs. So 
Now, I know I asked you this earlier because this particular model does have a flux capacitor. It does. He did ask me. I get that question a lot, obviously. (laughs) Um, Well, I guess, you know, when you drive something that's considered to be a pop culture icon, you have to expect it a little bit. But, um, yes, I do have one that my my wonderful wife got me as because she knew people were going to ask. And it's it's about the size, a little bit smaller than like an iPhone. (laughs) And it plugs into my cigarette lighter and charges my phone. But it does flash. So I do ha- I do have one for when people ask. That is that's great, great. Yeah. So getting back to the to the podcast, uh, is that what you call them? The podcast? Well, is, is when, considered or not? Well, I do. I mean, I do have a podcast, and that's okay. the podcast. Um, it, the other, I call the rest of it social media creation or content creation. Okay. I mean, you don't have a fancy studio and all that. No. Either. Wow, that's no, impressive. I don't. It's and for me too, because of the type of content that I cover. It's not one of those things where I really have the luxury of editing, not that I would necessarily know how to do it anyways. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where I have to try to get things out as quickly as I possibly can because it's it tends to be breaking news. Now, when you look at certain cases that I'll, I'll cover, like, you know, well, even with, with cases like Gabby Petito or the Idaho murders that have been going on with Brian Koberger or just I covered the Titan sub or Carly Russell, the girl in Alabama who went missing, you have to be very, very quick with those updates and you have to be as accurate as you possibly can. Now, mm-hmm. the one thing that, that I will admit is that because it goes so quickly, sometimes I make mistakes. It does happen. I'm a human being, right? Um, But I think that's the way that people handle their mistakes that make it different. So if I get something wrong, I will admit what I, what I'm, what I'm wrong. I will take the video down if that's what's needed. And then I will do a correction. And I think that's also part of the reason for my following is because they know that they're going to get accurate information. And if for some reason it is not accurate, um, then I'll make sure that I correct it. So they don't, you know, flag you on the social media, like fact checker. Oh, no, they will. They absolutely, no, they absolutely will. Yeah. If I get something wrong, you know, a lot of them will, will definitely let me know. So, well, I mean, it's, I guess it's good to have because you're not on site, so you can't gather all the information and, and some of the stuff that they post out there, you don't not necessarily maybe entirely true. So you have to filter that out. Well, a lot, well, the biggest thing about, about my stuff is, and Carly Russell was a really good example. Um, I will go based off of what the media and and law enforcement is giving us. Um, I don't do speculation in my content. Okay. Um, whereas a lot of people were speculating before it was confirmed that this woman faked her, her disappearance or faked her kidnapping. I would not jump to that conclusion and, and I fought it tooth and nail to the point that people got mad at me that I fought it so hard because like, we need to wait till the facts come out. Yeah, there's some things that are very strange about this scenario and her story doesn't add up, but until we have all the information, you know, I, I'm always under the assumption that the police tell us what they want to tell us. And that's it. So we don't know what they know. You, you can't release everything. You cannot release everything. Because there, there's things they're looking at that you don't want to, you know, spoil the, the lead or the CI or anything like that to get that information. Or ruin a conviction. In. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it definitely happens. So getting all the information is, it, I think, is, is probably the hardest. Yeah. You know, because you, you have to look at your sources. And, and again, law enforcement, the media, and, and sometimes the media gets it wrong. I mean, Absolutely. You know, so... Exactly. And, and you know, um, I, I, I've done some some collaborations with a media personality out of Florida, WFLA, uh, J.B. Buno, and, and he called, what did he call me, like a digital journalist or something like that. And I'm like, I don't know. That's that, I mean, I don't know if I feel that, but I guess he's kind of right on it. But yeah, you have to try to just keep the integrity as high as you can. And, and again, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. And you're right. I'm not, usually I'm not on site. I will say, though, after Covenant, because I am, you know, local to Nashville, I did go down. I didn't go down to the school because I thought that that would be disrespectful. But all the things that followed in the next couple of weeks at the Capitol, I was at most of those. Well, and two, I mean, you look at these stories, and whether it be local or national or even you know worldwide, you have to look at these things and say, is this worth covering? I mean, how do you select content? Does it have to be really egregious or, or just maybe an interesting story? 
it's a little of both. So I was telling you, which I will not talk about it on, on the radio because I think it's just too too sensitive a to- topic. You know, like there's a case out of Kentucky that if people want to go see it, my, my TikTok channel is Justin on TikTok and it's got a playlist called Baby Elena. It's one of the most terrific cases I, I've literally ever heard, but for some reason it's not getting a national spotlight as it should. So, you know, I'm trying to utilize my platform to elevate the story. And I mean, the initial story that I did and the follow-up, the follow-ups are doing okay, but the initial story has, has over a million, I think 1.3 million views or something like that last time I checked. So it's it's getting out there. And, and I've, I then, you know, enlist other content creators that have large followings like, hey, you know, you really should cover this with me because a lot of times people think that content creators are all about clicks and views and likes. And, and yeah, there are a lot of people out there that are. And I mean, yeah, we do it because, you know, we need to get that engagement. But at the same time, we also, a lot of people in my in the niche that I'm in, the current events, true crime space, we are in it for the right reasons. And so sometimes it is truly to w- raise awareness, and that's what this case is. Well, so. and a lot, of, a lot of media coverage, too, unless it has sex or sensationalism or something that makes it a story. You yeah. know what I mean? So that takes control over real content. It does. You know what I mean? Unless it's going to be outrageous that they can try to get ratings on. But in your case, you, you're, you're the opposite. Yeah, and you know, it, it, the nice thing that I try to do as well when it comes to this stuff is, yeah, there will be segments as things get updated. I'll post updates as quickly as I can. But a lot of people don't want to sit and read a 10-minute news story or sit and listen you know, mm-hmm. to the news while like they, they give you that teaser at the beginning. So you know, I give them content in typically under two minutes. Like, you know, and some, there are sometimes I'll do this when there's a lot of things going on, but they're like little ones. I don't want to do individual videos. I'll just do one. Like, hey, here's all the things we're going to talk about today. And I'll do this. I'll make a three-minute video. And you mm-hmm. get all your news, everything that you need to know or want to know in three minutes. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Hey, listen, we're talking with Justin on TikTok. <laughs> I like that. That's what Easy it is. to remember. Justin on TikTok. Uh, check him out, folks. We're going to just take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more of Sumner County Spotlight. Thanks for listening to Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program heard each and every Sunday right here on WHIN. Or you can listen on our podcast page at whinradio.com. If you'd like to become a sponsor of this program, reach out to me, Jeff Shannon, at jeff at whinradio.com. We're back with Summer County Spotlight. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation with Justin on TikTok. And he's he's just talking away. And we, you've, you've just been killing that. So how many uh, followers you have now? Uh, 1.2 million on that's on my biggest platform, which is, which is TikTok. You had to be blown away when you started seeing those numbers climb like that. So it's... It's certain videos have really kind of caused it to, to explode. One of the ones for, obviously, the narcissistic parent content, that was something. And unfortunately, when I say unfortunately, a lot of people can relate to it. In fact, I did an article recently. I'm going to kind of segue for a second here. I read an article recently that 26% of millennials in Gen Z are no contact with a family member. The thing about that, I also kind of, I'll say this too, is it's not something that you easily come by. It usually is a decision made after years and years and years and years of trying to express your feelings, hope that behavior becomes modified, you know, respect, boundaries are respected, things like that. And you just get to a point where you're like, look, for me, it was, you know, my mom made the ultimate decision, but normally the cycle went that I would try, because it was not the first time she's done that. She does that. That was one of her forms of punishment if she didn't get what she wanted. But I would normally like grovel and be like, no, mom, I'm so sorry. But when I had a kid, you know, that kind of really changed my perspective on everything. Sure. And I was like, you know what, if you don't want to be involved in my child's life, then that's going to be your loss. It's not, you know, you don't want her to know you, fine. That's going to be your decision. But a lot of people, you know, when they get to that point, you know, it, it's really 
not that we want to do it, not that we enjoy doing it, but it's just, it's what ends up being best for us or our family or our circumstances. Again, because I'm all, I'm just always going, you know, I have a day job, I do the social media stuff, but I also, because of that, ended up writing a children's book, which I actually got the illustrations back for them yesterday. Oh, okay. Um, so when, when is that due to come out? Um, I, I was talking to the publisher. It's actually a publisher out of Tennessee. I mean, it's going to be spring release is what we're looking at. And what's at. the name of it? It's called Boundaries. Boundaries. And it's, okay. a, and it's a children's book, basically. And what it talks about is like, you know, a little girl. Um, it's based off my daughter. Uh, actually, same, her na- same name and everything. And, um, you know, asking, hey, why do I see mom's family but not dad's? And, you know, explaining that and then going into it, hey, this is why boundaries are important for mutual respect and love in a family. What it, a, sounds like a great book because you, you know, know how... M- there's more of that that goes on than people realize. There is. And, and you know, what's funny about it, too, is I came up with the idea to do it and then just, like, sat and, and kind of just came out with it. And I sent it to some therapists that I know, friends and mutuals on TikTok, as well as real-life therapists, as well as the publisher. And everybody said the same thing. Like, nobody has hit this niche. Like, this is, like, this does right. not exist. Right. So um, so I'm pretty excited about that. You know, like I said, it's going to come out hopefully in spring. And people will be able to order it on my website once it is, which is justin on TikTok.com. Will um, it make it to Amazon? It will probably make it to Amazon. Okay. That's going to be up to the publishers. But if people want to order directly from me, everybody who orders directly from my site will get a signed copy. And what's the, what's the website? Want. It's justinontiktok.com. Imagine that. When I get there, it's not it's not up there yet. Well, you right. know, you got to keep the you got to keep it you know yeah, yeah. cohesive. Yeah. So you you have a big menu up there. I'm sure you'll have a link to order the book Correct. when it becomes available. Can they pre-order it? I hope to be able to do a pre-order. Okay. Um, but I'm not there yet. Okay. I just got I got to get the illustrations back to the publisher, right. and then from there we'll figure out a timeline. But I know that based on previous discussions, uh, you know, I had thought about trying to do a release around the holidays, but she was like, my publisher was like, no. <laughs> no, let's look at spring. It'll be good for spring. So I'm like, all right, spring yeah, release. Push spring it. release it is. So how long did it take you to put something like that together? I mean, writing a book is not not a very easy task. It's it's not, but it's also a children's book, not a novel. You mm-hmm. know, so it's about 15 pages or so. And a few, I mean, honestly, it was it was like a few hours just to get it down on paper, and then from there it was editing, trying to get the language correct so that mm-hmm. children can understand it, and the flow, and then okay. you know, working with from there working with the illustrator, trying to figure out exactly what you're kind of looking for to have the illustrations match the vibe that the book is trying to give. That's exciting. I mean, that sounds like an incredible book, and I think a lot of people will jump for that because it, it is more prevalent than most people think. Unfortunately, yes. unfortunately, it is. It's, it's, a yep. sad, it's, a sad, it's sad that there's a need for a book like this. Yeah. So you also have a podcast Correct. Uh, that, it, that you have, 50 Words for Murder. Mm-hmm. Interesting title. Yeah that you told me a little story about that. I did. My wife and I are both big fans of Panic at the Disco. Hopefully, like I don't, ASCAP doesn't send me like a letter after I do this interview. But <laughs> um, uh, basically, the the li- it's a line from a Panic at the Disco song. Um, we love Panic at the Disco. The song specifically is Victorious. And the full line is uh, 50 words for murder and I am every one of them. And so I just, we just thought it was kind of a cool line. We liked mm-hmm. the song, so it pays homage to, you know, obviously big music fans, Who's who isn't, right? That's kind of how we came up with the title. And it's not always murder. It's mostly murder, <laughs> but not always. <laughs> you know, that, yeah, and we're, I think we're seven episodes in. So, so. you find topics. Yeah. That involve murder, obviously. And then typically you're, you're going over that story and, and discussing it and analyzing it. Correct. And giving your insight to C- it. Correct. And sometimes we have people on there. So there was, for example, a case that actually, and I again, won't go into detail on this. People can listen. But there was a case that happened here in Nashville, actually Gallatin, where somebody was, it's suspected that he was murdered, but murdered, but then it was allegedly covered up. That's how I'm going to say that. And so I had um, the victim's mother and sister, who the sister is also a victim in a different way on their own podcasts. And then, you know, I'll get other creators or sometimes, you know, people who I think are, are good experts or good people to have on for topics, you know, to do to do things with me as well. So 
Um, one that I have coming up that's not going to be murders. I'm going to do something on the story about John DeLorean at one point. I've been okay. talking to his daughter about being my guest co-host on that, um, which that wasn't a murder case. But, you know, for people who people who are old enough to know about that case know that he was railroaded by the government to shut his company down. And that's what happened. And But it's not murder. It's just yeah, yeah. about entrapment and, and the laws that we now have because of his case. So, you know, it's kind of – I don't – I'm bad about staying in my niche, I guess is what I'll say. <laughs> I just – I talk about what I kind of want to talk about. Well, then. That's your right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but apparently people are, are locking into it. People like it. People yeah. seem to like it. I just think it's fascinating how you can discover these stories. You know, you have to browse the web constantly. To, these things can happen anytime. Well, you do. and it, But it's also other stuff on, on TikTok, too. So not always, but like I know I mentioned earlier in, in, in our talk about that case out of Kentucky – that was something that another creator who lived in Kentucky shared, and then I started looking into it and started making content on my own because I was like, oh, this video, this this story truly needs awareness, and somebody outside of just Kentucky. And so I had a much larger following, so I'm like, okay, well, let me do this to elevate this story. Mm-hmm. So it can be it can be from that as well, from other things that are just going around or hot topics. But yeah, I mean, it's often checking what's trending on Google, what's trending on Twitter stories. I also have a segment called Notable Deaths, which actually has a strange story behind it. So when somebody notable dot passes away. I try to be the first one on that. In fact, it was kind of funny to kind of show you the power of social media. When the queen passed away, the queen of England, I was already streaming and doing videos on it. And I remember like somebody coming into the live that I was doing, which had like 5,000 people in it at the time and saying, like, I can't believe I'm learning about the queen dying on TikTok. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it, it's really when you kind of, that's kind of always stuck with me yeah, because like yeah. the power that it holds, like, you know, they're not learning it from the news or the media. They're, they're learning it first from, from social media. Well, and to be on top of the time difference. Yeah. You know, because what are they, six hours or... Again, again I, I keep talking, referencing my wife because she's the one that does a lot of this. She woke me up at like 6 a.m. because she would gotten a thing, a notification, I guess, that the family had been called okay. to Balmoral. And she's like, she's like, Justin, wake up. And I'm like, what? She's like, the queen's going to die today. You need to get on live. Wow. And so I, got, I went and got dressed and got on live and yeah. Well, see, that's why she gets paid the big bucks. That's, that is why <laughs> she gets paid the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's just, it's incredible, all the different topics. And you you would scan social media. And literally, I think you can find a topic on anything you can imagine. And for any point of view that you want to. You can find things that agree with (laughs) you or don't agree with you, whatever you want to do. Yeah. You know, with Facebook and X now, uh, you know, you're looking at these platforms and what it's become. Mm-hmm. You know, from where it started, the, the content that it's just it's mind blowing that you can get so locked in to scrolling. Oh, it's a time and just suck. Watching videos and this that you can literally blow a whole day. You can. But, you know, the thing is, and, and it is definitely a time suck for sure. But it's also pretty amazing some of the things that you can learn from there, mm-hmm. you know, outside of even just news and current events and, and things like that. Tips and tricks for around the house or things that you can do with your kid, just things that you would have recipes, just things that you would have never thought of. It kind of puts them all right there at your fingertips. And it's it's a pretty amazing thing. And and you're right, because I remember when social media was in its infancy, when it was MySpace, those days. And when (laughs) I was I was one of the first people on Facebook when they opened. I was in college at the time when Facebook came out and I fought registering for it. I was like, I have my friend made me do it. And I was like, I have MySpace. I'm fine. And he was he was like, no, you need to get Facebook. So as soon as it was open to everybody else that outside of Harvard, then, you know, then I signed up and. It, it's how it's kind of grown from there to what it is now and how it, amazing how it's going to continue to grow, I'm quite sure. Well, even even the Internet. My, my wife tells a story. She was working at a, a college in Florida, and this guy approached her, salesperson, and said and approached her with this crazy story about a mall in space. So there's there was a huge mall that people would buy, and you can have a store in space. And 
It was the internet. They were literally pushing the internet. What a crazy way of you know selling it. What, I mean? what a going, great way what of are you selling out it. Of, what am out of your mind? I'd put a store in the in space, whatever. It well, look what it did. Jeff Bezos believed in it, and look what happened. You yeah, know exactly. You know, so you got all that. You never know what's going to happen, but you know, you're doing such a great thing and 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 informing people, and and bringing light to some of these stories that get pushed away. Yeah, and we try to do good things too. So, you know, for example, around the holiday, because I'm never one to ask my followers for money. That's just not something that I do. It's 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 a good cause. So people, right. if people want to donate, they are it's totally optional. Obviously, it's optional for anybody, anyways. But like, so when we did the banners for Gabby Petito, it was they wanted to donate, they wanted to do it. So we did that. I couldn't fund that by my. Those are. Mm. Banners are expensive. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew that, but Ariel flying a banner around somebody's house for a couple hours is like five grand a pop. But um, <laughs> it's, exp- it's expensive. And yes, before anybody said anything, yes, I know the money could have gone to several other things, but it was the point of what we were trying to do and bring awareness. So that's what it was. But also a couple of years ago too, last year or the year before, again, I was a med- I told you I was a medical rep and worked with long-term care. There was a nursing home in Madison. They had an angel tree. And I'm sitting there, I'm looking at it. And these people on the angel tree at the nursing home, they wanted like socks or a Coke, like really a book, a hairbrush, right? like really things that so many of us take for granted right. every day. Yeah. So I took everything on the angel tree. And we just, we just within an hour, I made a target wish list, Amazon wish list, and we filled everything and we gave the nursing home all of it. And yeah, that's great. And so yeah. my, my point is not to be braggadocious about it. My point is to say that we do try to do good things when we can as right. well to help yeah. people. And, and I try to do it because I'm in Tennessee. I try to do it around Tennessee. Right. Just lucky to have you here to keep us enlightened well, <laughs> with I appreciate all of this. It. But you're going to be a great judge at taste. So, I mean, that's going to get kind of get you out in front of the camera. Yeah, I am you know, excited about out that. And get to taste some great food. And uh, so you're going to be a, be a great judge for that. Is your daughter going to be here? She tasting? is. Well, we she gotta... is. And they're gonna, she and my wife are going to come probably <laughs> 6 o'clock. I know we get there earlier, but I said, you know, just they're coming at 6. But she's not going to be a good judge because she's 4. And anybody who has a 4-year-old right, knows right. that. Just getting them to eat anything. That's pizza. Pizza. <laughs> chicken nuggets. Cheese. But even then, but yeah. even then. <laughs> it's gotta be a special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does, it does. And she it's the same things, but even then it's it's not always, you know, so she will probably she would not be a good judge, is my so, point. I was going to say that DeLorean might be here, but I don't. You can't pack that many people in there. No, well, they're going to come later. So yeah, the, the DeLorean will be here. Okay, all right. Well, good. Because I'm, I, when I'm usually by myself, I usually drive it. Well, that's going to be great. People can take pictures with it if they want to. Yeah. Do you have a remember when you have the automatic starter from your key fob? Yeah, I don't have it on that car. Right. I was going to say it's probably too old for that. Well, it does. You can add it, but the thing about that car is it's, it's manual and it doesn't have like the clutch, whatever. So I could yeah. li- if I accidentally leave it in gear, which I often do, put it in gear when I park. <laughs> You know, yeah. when I park it, I put it in gear. A lot of when people are sitting on it and they're taking pictures on it, and they get off my car, they go, and they start that thing up. People oh. get all scared. Yeah, yeah. I, I've actually had to get people because the stainless steel is not very forgiving. So, like, people can't, you yeah, can't. How do you sit. polish that? You have stainless steel polish? I do. Like so refrigerators and all that you stuff? You clean it with, like, you know, there's like green scouring pads. Yeah, yeah. There's different levels. There's green for basic, and then there's okay. uh, a gray one for blending, like, mild scratches and, and mild regraining. And then there's a um, a red one for when things get really serious. But uh, no, you just basically, I use barkeepers for the deep cleans. I use barkeepers for it. Other than that, it's soap. Yeah. Soap and water. And I'm going to, mean, this is kind of a shameless plug for somebody. And I, I you know, I know they're not forever, but actually Jack's Wax, which opened up recently over by Target. Mm-hmm. I got some of this like graphene cleaner because I, I did mm-hmm. ceramic coat the stainless, which gave it a little bit deeper okay. look. All right. It's like the best cleaner. I haven't had to wash the car since that place has been here. Like I literally just spray it and wipe it down. And oh, it's okay. like, I have the, to go over there. The stuff, I mean, like, again, I'm not trying to like, like, I don't work for them. This is like not, I don't get any product for this. I'm just <laughs> saying like their stuff is really good. Yeah. And I've, I've been very impressed <laughs> with it. So. 
Well, folks, we've been talking with Justin on TikTok. That's that's how you'll know him. So you want to be able to check him out, uh, justinontiktok.com. And then, of course, the 50 Words for Murder podcast. And they can find that on all the platforms? Correct. You can much? also, yeah, the easiest way, if you want to find it, it, I have a link to it via Spotify on justinfortiktok.com, but it, it is on any platform that you probably listen on. It's on yeah. Apple, Google, iHeart, Pandora, Audible, Amazon, I think, and just a multitude of others. Yeah, you'll find it, that's for sure. So, well, Justin, thanks so much for taking time to come in here, and uh, hey, it's been a, been a great pleasure. Likewise, thank you for having all me. Right. All right. Well, hey, be sure to listen next Sunday morning at 10 o'clock here at WHIN. And don't forget, it's on our podcast page at whinradio.com. Just look for Summer County Spotlight on the podcast tab. You're going to find this and other episodes available. So this is Jeff Shannon saying so long. We'll see you next time on Summer County Spotlight. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.